I have waited a very long time to meet and speak with the most controversial man on the internet. No, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. No, I'm not even talking about Andrew Tate. I am talking about Primetime 99. I'm talking about the man himself, Alex Stein, a comedian, a provocateur, absolute terror of members of Congress and school boards all over this country. I, I'm sure you've seen all of his videos. I was just recently watching one of him in a leotard and a swimming cap uh, complaining about transphobia on the swim team. Uh, as Alex puts in his bio, he has lots of undiagnosed emotional and mental health issues that are his secret <laughs> weapon in the fight against the new world order. Mr. Stein, thank you for coming on the show. Wow, Michael, what the heck? Dude, that was such a brilliant and eloquent introduction. And I'm telling you, this is my first time appearing on a Daily Wire show, and I'm just so honored because in this conservative space, you guys are true champions. What you're, the work you guys are doing at Daily Wire is very similar. And, you know, you guys are obviously more powerful than I am, but we're fighting a culture war. You guys are doing a great job, so it's an honor and a privilege to be on your show. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for coming on. So the question, I, I, I want to talk about a bunch of videos and all this stuff. I, I actually want a longer period of time to talk, but mm -hmm. we're stuck on Skype, and it's 20 minutes or whatever. But the question mm -hmm. I want to ask is I watch all of these videos, and you, with absolutely no fear, no sense of propriety, just going in, and a lot of them are just dropped down. Uh, the, I mean, the, the leotard one, I was laughing out loud. Why are you the way that you are? Well, I, like I said, when my parents got divorced, Michael, they fought for custody of our family dog, Primo, more than me. So I was actually raised by a German shepherd more than I was by a two-parent home. So mm -hmm. I come from the BLM playbook of the broken home. And just like Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, the same playbook that Barack Obama and all these freaks use on the left, I'm using it on the conservative movement. I'm basically using the rules for radical and using the projection and just projecting all of their crazy lunacy, like the fact that Leah Thomas swam on the men's team for three years and then was able to take some sort of a medicine, some you know hormone therapy, and was able to compete against the women and become a national champion in multiple events. So it's ludicrous, it's absurd, but that's where we live in a world where the Supreme Court Justice, Kentucky Brown Jackson, can't even define what a woman is. And I know that is a hot topic in the Daily Wire community for the well, Daily Wire fans. You know, th that angle actually makes a lot of sense to me because sometimes when I watch your videos, listen, call me old-fashioned, but I don't know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, he's gone a little far. This is a little mm -hmm. much, you know. But but then the way that you've just described it where you say, yeah, I'm, I basically do what the left does, but I do it for the conservatives. I think, well, you know, there there's pretty much nothing that I've seen you do that is any more offensive than anything the left does. And it's probably much less offensive. I mean, the left is killing babies and trans and kids. So obviously, you know, you uh, being sort of vulgar or something like that is kind of in a completely different category. Is that, a, I mean, is that, is that the idea behind this performance art in many ways, I guess I would call it? Well, 100%. My biological father, Tucker Carlson, kind of coined it with me. It's called culture jamming, where you take the most absurd parts of our culture and you jam in their face. But it's funny you say that, though, Michael, because I was recently the host of a concert with a guy named Bryson Gray, Forgiato Blow, and a guy named Tyson James, that are conservative rappers. And Vice News came and covered it. And at the end of the event, it was a successful event. There's 400 people. It was fun. We asked the Vice reporter, because she actually kind of had fun. She was being nice, and I have a little heat with Vice uh, for my confrontation with Tessa Owen. But that's neither here nor there. Back to my point. 
She said the only alarming thing to her of the whole entire event, which was a family-friendly event, no cussing. Bryson is a secular rapper. He doesn't even cuss. And I did jokes where I didn't cuss or anything. She said, oh, I didn't like that there were so many children here. Because there were a lot of kids. A lot of parents, you know, parents brought their kids there. And then we asked her, but what about drag queens for story time? And yeah. she's like, uh, it's different. So these people literally want to sexualize children and have them being read story times by men in thongs. That's okay. That's social justice. But if you say abortion is bad yeah. and that we want to save babies, then you're evil. Even people like Elizabeth Warren that says crisis pregnancy centers are demonic and satanic. She says they're the bad ones. Yeah. The ones trying to save a life. So that's how we're in the upside down world. I'm not even funny. Saturday Night Live isn't funny, right? Because they're too afraid of being politically incorrect. I'm politically incorrect, so I'm funny by default. Just because I'm filling a void. It's not even that hard, Michael. <laughs> Right now, head on over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. I have had my Helix mattress for about two years now, and I absolutely adore it. It is difficult to remember my life before my Helix mattress. Now, my Helix mattress is for me. Your Helix mattress will be for you. Why would you get in someone else's bed? You know what? Don't answer that question. When you want a bed for yourself, you got to go to Helix because with Helix, you take their very quick sleep quiz about your body, about how you sleep, and they will match a mattress up for you. They've got soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses for if you sleep a little bit too hot. They've even got a plus-size mattress for plus-size sleepers. You take that quiz. It's super easy. It's super quick. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They've got a 10-year warranty, and you can try it for 100 nights risk-free. They will even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. And now for a limited time, cherry on top, Helix is offering up to $350 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. This is their best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Knowles. So what, what got you started? I mean, because I'm trying to think of the first time I saw you. It was relatively recently, within the last year or so, and it was probably at one of these school boards or something. And I thought, man, this is wild. I haven't seen a performance art like this in a very long time. And oh man, the guy is, is, he's a right winger. And it, you know, and then I just kept seeing you pop up. Where did you come from? I mean, am I, did I, was I missing some 10 year career or something before this that I just hadn't been aware of? Well, we, we definitely need to do the hour long conversation, but basically I started, I worked for a TV show cheaters and I signed an NDA. I can only say so much, but the host of it was a very good friend of mine named Clark Gable. He died of a fentanyl drug overdose. He bought pills that he thought were, he bought like street Vicodin or whatever pain pills and had fentanyl and he died. Me, I was very close friends with him. They said, Alex, you're going to be the next host of cheaters. Then when it came April, 2020, I'm like in the best shape of my life. I, this is my big opportunity because I had worked in television. I also sold cars on the side, literally selling used cars. That's why I love creating content. Imagine getting on the hot pavement at 110 degrees for a Hispanic guy to show you that there's a car leaking, the transmission's leaking. It's not that fun, you know. I'm just saying, doing this and playing make-believe, you know, making fun yeah. of politicians is much easier. But my point being is, I, at, right when I was supposed to get the job, they picked a 52-year-old black guy named Peter Guns, who, good God for, you know, God bless him, he's definitely good that he picked the job. But my point being is, the show is syndicated by Viacom, so they changed his name from Peter Guns to Peter Panky. And they just didn't want uh, another kind of 30-year-old white guy. They wanted to go a different direction, which just makes sense. But for me, it was a little bit of an affirmative action. And that mm -hmm. kind of radicalized me to be like, hey, I need to create my own podcast. I need to create my own thing. So, Michael, when I go to these meetings at the beginning of the pandemic, I went to the mayor of Dallas and was dead serious. was like, you know, why, why are we closing the parks? They turn off the water fountains that my dogs drink out of at the park. You know, and this is April in Texas. It's hot. I'm like, how does this stop the spread of anything? 
And they looked at me like and I, was, I was the biggest idiot in the world. Just, oh, who is this conspiracy theorist? I mean, just didn't show me any attention. And then when I noticed the more absurd I got, the more uncomfortable they felt. Hmm. And I turned those NPCs, those non-playable characters of politicians into, oh, now I can control them all I want. Because now they have to get mad at me. They have to kick me out. They have to be embarrassed. So, hmm. yeah, it's kind of just it started off, you know, earnestly. And then I realized what's the most effective is, like I keep saying those rules for radicals, is that we have to do, you know, desperate times call, call cause for desperate measures. Whatever the saying is, we cannot use these uh, orthodox tactics of being nice and respectful. We have to somehow use humor to break people away or free from this trauma-based mind control that the mainstream media has everybody under. So h- how much of the act is you know, a sincere reflection of your political views? And how much of it is this sort of Alinskyite working around the system? Because you know, if we're locked into this system, the liberal establishment is just going to continue to rule. How much of it is intentionally, you know, you, you say something you don't believe, or you, you know, you act in a way that you wouldn't ordinarily act just to, just to get them to jump out of their ordinary trains of thought. Yeah, well, I mean, you can say like shock factor for shock factor, but let me tell you my political leaning because I'm a populist. I actually, even though I'm now a skew more conservative, I am a tinfoil hat, proud tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. I believe the weapons of mass destruction that we never found in the Middle East, the 20-year war that we had, I just think that the government will lie to us and they will pull all sorts of tricks. And I think the pandemic woke a lot of people up to that. So my point being is, when you have the populist mindset and, you know, you want to say, oh, I'm conservative, I want the government left out of everything. Hmm. But at the same time, when I sold cars, the government made sure that I gave them an inspection. If I didn't give a customer an inspection, then, you know, I could be liable to getting in trouble if I sold them a lemon. So it's kind of good that the government gets involved in some stuff. But I don't want them because they mess everything up. But when it comes to the healthcare system, why is it that insulin costs $200 in Texas, but it's $7 in Mexico? But if I want to get 10,000 vaccines, that's all free. So we need a reallocation of funds. And I'm not saying we should have free health care, but we should make health care more affordable. I think that would just benefit society. So even though I'm more conservative, I really kind of consider myself in the middle uh, when it comes to my political leanings. I don't like to say that I'm ultra far right. That's what they label me, proud boy, far right. When in reality, that's, that's not the case. I mean, I'm anti-abortion. Obviously, there's some huge stuff that I'm you know, really staunch on that. You would say that's super conservative, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not against social services. I'm not against helping people, mm-hmm. but letting a hundred thousand, uh, you know, drug overdose happens because of fentanyl this past year, just having a wide open border that's creating a welfare state. I'm not down with that. So I, I like to consider myself somewhere in the middle. So pr- presumably you love Trump. I mean, Trump kind of broke that mold and, and at least styled himself in 2016 as a populist candidate. Yeah, well, I like Trump, too, but then I also don't like that he's, you know, with the Johnson & Johnson family. I don't like that he didn't get Julian Assange out of jail. I, of mm. course, I love Donald Trump. I love when he's saying little Marco Rubio, but he's not perfect. Now, do I want him to get his redemption arc? Yes, I want him to have round two. And do I think that that was the most fair and, and honest election ever? Of course. And of course, Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Duh. You know, it'd be impossible for him not to. But my point being is I love Trump. I think he got a bad deal, but there's obviously some improvement that he needs to do, too. Uh, and no candidate is perfect. I think, Michael, I say this all the time, idolizing a politician or celebrity is like thinking the stripper actually likes you. They don't actually like us. They don't care about us. It's all just a placate to us. So yes, I love Donald. He's the best one that we've had in our lifetime. But even Donald, we have some room for improvement. Right, right. You're sort of damning with faint praise. He could be better than all the rest, but he's a politician. A politician's a politician. So you used a phrase there that really stuck out. You said you want his redemption arc. 
And I, I tell you, the, the conservatives whose views I really respect, and especially those who have a, a keen sense of kind of art and narrative, that's the phrase that they use. They say, you know, we hear from some people, it's not about Trump, it's just about the policies, it's just about the country, it's just about this. But the people who I feel really have a good political gut, they say, no, it, for better or worse, it is about this guy. It actually is about this guy, and they booted him out, and they changed all the rules, and they got, and they undermined his administration, and they spied on him, and they did all this stuff, and then they finally got him out, and he needs redemption. So looking at 2024, you're a Trump guy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm voting for Trump. And this is the thing. I mean, we know the impeachment was garbage. This January 6th commission is an absolute travesty, one of the worst that I've ever been or witnessed in my life. I mean, to think that these people on January 6th, obviously, you know, if you really think the QAnon shaman was going to go into Congress and decertify an election, you're mentally ill, all right? And I'm talking to you, Nancy Pelosi, because they actually believe that. They actually felt that they were under some sort of threat. Now, you know, is it good to go storm a Capitol? I don't know if that's necessarily good, but for them to treat it like it was 9-11, the worst terror attack in American history, is it's just very insensitive to the people that lost loved ones on 9-11. So we live in a government that will lie to us in order to gain, you know, what they do is they're going to trick us into trading our freedom for safety. But at the end of the day, we're not going to have freedom. We're not going to have safety. And guys like Donald Trump, I believe, wants to keep some of our freedom left. But it's a slippery slope. They kick him off the Internet. You see Alex Jones, they bankrupt him for a billion dollars. I mean, in this day and age, you know, if you go against the counterculture, even Elon Musk, who's been, you know, pretty liberal, he wants to put a computer chip in your brain to be able to park a Tesla. And they still are going after him. So with these people, if you have power and you are a threat to the system, you got to go. Now, so I'm very sympathetic to this point of view, and I agree that much of the appearance of our political culture is just kind of a sock puppet game, and a lot of it is just theater, and regardless of who wins or loses, we always get more immigration, we always outsource the jobs, we always get lose more and more of our sovereignty. So I'm with you on all of that, but then how do you avoid, or do you avoid, getting totally blackpilled and saying, oh, well, the libs have all the power, all hope is lost, I might as well sit on my couch and eat potato chips? Full of seed well, oils. It's not really th- yeah, yeah, and those seed oils are really good if you want to get estrogen and grow breasts. But my point being, uh, this is this is what I'm saying is it's impossible not to get blackpilled too when you realize guys like Dan Crenshaw that say they're conservatives are giving, you know, billions of dollars to the Ukraine. So for me, I mean, you know, how do we fight that that sense of like, oh, you know, black pill, like how do we um, you know, get out of that mindset? It's difficult for me, but at the same time, that's the harsh reality in which we live in. The government, I don't think, has our best interest, and it's just kind of living positive and creating some sort of future that you like. Because what happens is they trick us into playing their reindeer games. You know, they trick you into wearing the mask. They trick you into getting vaccinated with the free hamburger. You know, and if you don't fall for their tricks, then you can live a, a happy life. So getting blackpilled, it's it's impo- it's impossible not to have that feeling sometimes. But there's a lot of hope and joy with being awake to realizing breaking out of that cognitive dissonance, knowing that the government. You might think they have your best interest, but really, they don't. Right now, go to meetfabric.com slash Michael. Being a parent can be scary. Checking, obviously, for monsters under your child's bed, the indescribable pain of stepping on Legos with your bare feet. One thing that does not have to be scary is getting life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great quality policies, such as a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated. Fabric makes it super easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. 
It's all online on your time. If you need extra support, Fabric's team of licensed insurance agents can answer questions along the way. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply. See your quote, then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. With over 1,600 five-star reviews on Trustpilot.com, you can feel confident that you are getting a high-quality policy for your family. They've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life at meetfabric.com slash Michael. That is meetfabric.com slash Michael. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash Michael. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. So you, you mentioned Crenshaw, and uh, you know I, I saw your video on Crenshaw, and I thought, th- that was one of the examples where I thought, isn't this a little too far? You know, yeah, is Crenshaw more moderate than I don't know, then us and probably a lot of the listeners. Yes, but you know, I I like the guy personally. And I just, is that, is that an example where you think, uh, you know, it's, it's a little too impolite. The guy's a wounded veteran, you know, even if I don't like his politics, or do you think, no, screw him. I don't like him. (laughs) And you know, uh, I'll say whatever. And I don't want to be insensitive to veterans. I respect every single man and woman in a military uniform. But at the end of the day, the whole entire military, the military industrial complex and the imperialistic mindset that the you know American military has is disgusting. I mean, I think about the millions of, of people that died in the Middle East. I mean, I'm, World War II, I think, was the last justifiable war that we've had. So when I look at people like Dan Crenshaw and the other veterans that I talk to that have been injured, they become staunchly anti-war. I'm a conflict mm-hmm. interventionist. I will never say that war is good. And I know that's not necessarily a conservative viewpoint, but I, I don't think as human beings right now, we're fighting a, a proxy war against Russia and Ukraine over the Donbass region and for them not wanting to go into NATO. That's all we have to do is just say they won't join NATO and keep the Donbass region autonomous where they can choose whatever country they want to go to. And we're saying no because we are benefiting from a proxy war because people – that it's not people that run the country. It is multinational corporations like Halliburton, like Pfizer, that can buy and sell these politicians on both sides like toilet paper through their political action committee. Dan Crenshaw is a guy that kicked out service members from being in the military through the National Defense Authorization Act that weren't vaccinated, kicked out service members in the Army Reserve that weren't vaccinated. So if he really cared about Americans, he would actually, you know, care about these military guys that don't want to take a vaccine that was tested on eight mice. My point being, it doesn't matter because these corporations are running and calling the shots. We're not being ran by humans. Do you think freaking Halliburton could be empathetic when they drop a drone strike on a wedding? When we left Afghanistan, Joe Biden killed four children. Nobody says a word about it. So, you know, it's just if these were human beings running the country, then they would be more empathetic to other human beings. But at the end of the day, because these are CEOs, we live in a corporatocracy and not a real country anymore, sadly. No, I, you know, I, I don't dispute a lot of that. I, I guess the question I'm asking tactically is, you know, if, to, in order to make that point, are you saying that the situation is just so dire and the kind of, the public communication is so staged that it is necessary to say and do things that are impolite or rude or, or you know, or immoral even. I mean, because that's, I just think, when I think about the Crenshaw thing, I think, and you know, given, I, I, I do like the guy at a personal level, but obviously we have very different views on Ukraine, he and I, and probably on a lot of other issues too. Or I think about even AOC, who I don't like at a personal level. And I think, you know, it's one of your most popular videos. And it's one of those things where you think, this isn't, this is rude. This isn't right. I shouldn't, but you're kind of like giggling off in the corner because it's kind of funny. And, but you think, you know, I, I don't know. I couldn't bring myself to say, 
to say to a woman like, hey, you've got a big booty and you're my big favorite. Big booty Latino. Well, that's why I'm insane, Michael. And listen, this is the other problem is because if you look at the top movies from the 90s, it's like Shawshank Redemption, American Pie, uh, Pulp Fiction. If you look at the top movies of 2021, it is literally, uh, other than Top Gun, the, the highest grossing movie was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So we need some political incorrectness. We need somebody saying you got a big booty. And I know that that's you know, not the nicest thing and probably not the, you know, uh, the, you know, it's a little unbecoming of a gentleman. At the same time, it is harmless. I am complimenting her. She is Jenny from the block. I mean, I know she's not Jennifer Lopez, but she's from that. You don't think she's ever been catcalled by a construction worker? I get catcalled in New York City. So if she, if I do, and I'm an imbecile, then I'm sure she's been catcalled. So this is the point, though, is when I go after guys like Crenshaw, this is his problem, is that the NPCs that are talking about, he gets so, his ego is so big, mm. and same with AOC, is that they have to react. Now, when I made fun of Eric Swalwell and I said, oh, did you and Fang Fang, you know, did you guys, you know, and you know, what kind of sex did you have with Fang Fang or, you know, did you sleep with Fang Fang? He was smart. He's dead silent, kept his head down. Adam Kinzinger, same thing. Mm. I made fun of him for junior mm. things. But these, these other politicians that let me play with them in the mm. video game of life, that's their, they shouldn't get in the pig, in the mud with a pig <laughs> like me, Michael. That's their problem. So it's just Dan Crenshaw, if he didn't play ball so much, then I wouldn't have to make him persona non grata, uh, you know, and public enemy number one. So it's just, they, if they were a little more down to earth, that, that's the other mm. problem though, Michael, is that we have a down to earth problem is these politicians, as soon as they get elected, they have this air of authority where they think they're better than everybody. And that's not the case. Everybody has issues. Everybody is the same. And that's like a socialistic kind of, you know, mindset. But really, we all have problems. We all have issues. And nobody is really necessarily better than anybody else. Well, that, that is the best explanation I've heard of this is basically you're, you're, basic, you're going out there to just see who will take the bait. And I, I think you're right about mm-hmm. Swalwell. I mean, I think you're right. The, the fact that Swalwell just, just kept on moving, he said, there's no win here. <laughs> Obviously, the mm-hmm. moment I react, I'm going to lose. And he kept going, it's probably smart. And some of the other guys, I mean, I, I think you did one to Jerry Nadler. Is that right? No, that was the Fleckus, I think, Jerry Nadler. Fleckus did Jerry Nadler, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, listen, and I've yelled and I've, you know, uh, Beto O'Rourke and you get in their politician's face. And it's better for them not, like I just have to use that quote, you know, you don't want to get in the mud with a pig like me. But this is other things. We need to humanize these politicians and we do Mm. need to call them out. Now, you saw these guys that are actually liberal guys that called out AOC for being a war hawk. And that gets 10 million views because people want to see these politicians humanized. And so that's what I try to do is it's not even that I'm really trying to be necessarily mean. If you notice a lot of my content, I try to make myself the butt of the joke because I don't even really want to be mean. I'm trying mm. to make fun of myself by astroturfing as these crazy people or, you know, like the whatever the uh, status quo of the left, like saying, you know, my wife's boyfriend, Ontarius, you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, I bring up I have a lot of little things uh, that I can just use that is basically uh, become a symbol of the left. And that's the thing is we've all become caricatures of ourselves. There's people on the far right that are annoying. There's people on the far left that are annoying. But for all these people that talk about QAnon, they don't ever talk about the blue anon for 2016 where they said the election was stolen. So it's calling out hypocrisy is my point, Michael. Hmm. And that's what I want to do is just try to call out the people, especially the mainstream media, the hypocritical and the politicians. I've yet to meet very few Marjorie Taylor Greene that I've become friends with. She's not very hypocritical. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, Thomas Massey that I've interacted with, a few of the ones that I've interacted with that have been nice. Even Madison Cawthorn wasn't very hypocritical. I feel like I've dealt with a lot of people that very few of them are actually good. The majority of them are egomaniacs. You know, it's funny you mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene because I, I hadn't met her before and I, I interviewed her not that long ago. And I had heard she's the crazy, evil, radical, Nazi, whatever. And then I'm chatting with her 
and she's perfectly nice and polite and saying saying things that are perfectly normal. And I kept waiting for some crazy bomb throwing, insane conspiracy, whatever, and that never happened. She was she was so different than how she's been portrayed everywhere on the left and even in many quarters of the right. No, and I've become really good friends with Marjorie, and she even jokes, you know, when they said the Jewish space lasers, that was taken out of context. She was talking about the anti-defense, uh, you know, anti-missile defense system. And Israel, <laughs> like she wasn't really trying to make fun. I know that's <laughs> Iron Dome, you know, but she's literally just making a joke, and they make it like she's anti-Semitic, and she's not. She's a very good friend of mine. She's just, I just know that for a fact. And she's actually a mom that cares about America. That's what we need. We need more of those normal people that actually go into politics instead of these career politicians like Joe Biden, who's been in D.C. his entire life, and the country's only gotten worse. And so it's like we need more of these people that are America first and then are globalists. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like their tinfoil hat. What do you mean globalist? Is These corporations, like I talked about earlier, Apple Computer, one of the biggest corporations, instead of, instead of you know, building the phone, the, the Apple iPhone in America, they outsource it to China. And in China, at the Foxconn factories, they treat their employees so bad that they have suicide nets. Because so many employees are jumping off the roof. And in, in Apple, instead of giving their workers better wages, they build bigger nets. So we need politicians that aren't just going to bow down to these corporations that don't care about us. And Marjorie is one of them that has, when you look at her funding, but when you look at the funding of a guy like Dan Crenshaw, it's all the big, you know, the mm. big dogs, Halliburton. So if those guys are the ones paying these politicians, for me, that's red flag. We need a human, empathetic viewpoint, not a corporation Robotech, you know, whatever, Robocop, whatever that company was from Robocop, you know, these, or, or excuse me, I'm thinking of the, the company from um, uh, Terminator. What is it? I can't think of it, but uh, the dystopian futuristic company that they see in all these movies, that's yeah. what they want to rule the world. I don't want that to happen. No, you know, I'm really glad you bring up the, the corporation-ness of it all, because for so long, for most of my political life, the Republicans just shilled and carried water for corporations that absolutely hate our guts, that destroy our country, that gut our economy, that open up our borders, that destroy our national traditions. And, and we're over here saying, well, you know, if you don't like it, build your own GE or whatever. And it's just so completely insane. And, and I, I just love too, for so many years on the right, you heard all these kind of egghead think tank takes on how, well, actually, if you want to have a good society, we need to open up all the borders and give all the money to the corporations and lose all of our power. Because then at the end of that, somehow step B, we're going to leave that open, but then step C, you're going to have a great country. And I thought, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just not sophisticated. I don't have a PhD in poli sci. I just think maybe we should do good stuff and avoid bad stuff. Is that, is that enough for a political philosophy? More good, less bad. That's what I want. Well, and speaking of the battle of good versus evil, now let me get real tinfoil hat for the Daily Wire. I believe these evil people are using it. I think it's out of the Bible. It's a uh, it's the Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, it was a story about Nimrod wanting to build the tower to the kingdom of heaven to kill God. And in that, when the tower got pretty high, God you know, made them all speak different languages and they broke off in different tribes. What these corporations, what these people were trying to do is literally from the Bible, Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, I flipped that, that's 9-11. That's, that's just weird. What I'm saying is they're, re- re- they're reverse engineering the Tower of Babel in order so there's one ruler here on earth, and that would be Satan. That's the one world order that they always talk about. And that's literally what they want. I mean, when you look at the fact that it's such a big deal that Ukraine's joining NATO, why is Russia, why is that a big deal? It's because they don't want them to become a superpower. And that's already what we basically have. So it's that autonomy. America needs to go back to being autonomous. Other countries need to go back to being autonomous instead of relying on each other and just being a blank check to the Ukraine. 
That is what's going to help our country. And it's literally a satanic, demonic game plan. And that's why these people that say they want abortion up until birth, even when they ask people that are pro-choice, Michael, hey, you're pro-abortion, but do you think there should be a limit? Overwhelmingly, people say after the first semester or after the second trimester, overwhelmingly pro-choice people believe there should be a limit. But all these politicians want no limit. They want it nine months or up until after birth. So it's demonic people that are calling the shots. And I don't, I don't know. You talked about it. Uh, the point being is it is a battle of good versus evil. And knowing that you're doing good, I believe the good will win in the end, but not going to be an easy uh, road ahead. That's right. The, the middle part of that can take a while. I mean, of, co- of course, it is, one, we know this is really basic stuff from the Bible, that Satan is the prince of this world, of this fallen world. Mm-hmm. Two, you've got Joe Biden's deputy monkeypox coordinator taking pictures of himself wearing pentagram leather harnesses on his chest over his other pentagram pectoral tattoo. So this stuff is there. I mean, you're, you're seeing overt kind of d- d- demonic imagery everywhere. But we'll unfortunately have to leave it there, Alex. There's so much more to talk about. We've got to get you out <laughs> here. We're going to leave it on a cleaver. Yeah, no, we leave, I'm just saying, what a good cliffhanger. As soon as we get into the demonic, the SRA, satanic ritual abuse, then we got to cut it. But yeah. we'll, we'll be back. I'll no, it'll be again. great. I mean, I, we have to get you back out. That'll be the cliffhanger, folks. The the overt demon worship that we're seeing from the satanic Biden administration. That's the cliffhanger. Whenever we can get Alex Stein out to Nashville, we will uh, take it up from there and hopefully go a lot longer. Mr. Primetime 99, Alex Stein, thank you for coming out. People can find you over at The Blaze, correct? Yeah, I'm at the Blaze. I got a new show coming out at the first of the year, uh, the Primetime Alex Stein Show. And, you know, the Daily Wire, I got to applaud you guys. You guys are just dominating. So uh, I like it. Birds of a feather flock together. So, Michael, it's an honor and a privilege to come on your program today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I'll look forward to seeing you for a much longer sit down.